to Osmoscope, the podcast that lets you dive into the marvelous world of olfaction. In today's episode, I will be speaking with Daniel Sonnabend, London-based composer, music producer and sound designer who connects the world of music with the universe of olfaction. If you'd like to know how Daniel translates scent into sound, or if you want to actually listen to the mesmerizing sounds of a floral chord or a bergamot, stay tuned. Daniel, you are a musician, composer, artist for film, amongst others, but you also are involved in art projects where you translate sense into sound. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing and how you got involved in this field of art. Okay, um, yeah, so basically about two, three years ago, my main work was working for films and uh, TV and projects like that. And uh, then at some point I got a phone call or an email probably it was from a design studio called Jason Bruce Studio, which I've done some work with in the past. I was uh, working with them on a project uh, of uh, a classical music concert at the foothills of the Himalaya, which also involved scent, but that was kind of... Um, I didn't actually know uh, a lot about scent back then. That was the first major scent project that we did. I was more involved in the music side of that, and then they called me for a second project, which was for Le Grand Musée de Parfum. And uh, I suddenly get this email where they basically ask me, uh, can you take 200 perfume ingredients and transfer them into sounds? And uh, we started working on this for about, uh, I think all together we worked on this for about six months in different stages. And we were working very closely with the IFF and the IFF, um, a couple of master perfumers, which were amazingly helpful. We were working with Anne Flippo and Jean-Christophe Herault. And yeah, after about one day where I, uh, I spoke to them and we decided to work on the project together, the next day we were already off to Paris to meet uh, the two perfumers and a few other people, the curator and everybody. And we started uh, smelling perfume ingredients for the first time. I didn't know almost anything about perfuming uh, before that point. So what would this scent in installation encompass? The whole installation was a metaphorical audiovisual representation of the perfumer's organ. So the perfumer's organ is basically the palette of perfume ingredients that a perfumer would have and would use in order to create a scent. And it can range from a few dozens to a few hundreds in the big organs. Uh, it looks a bit like uh, this secret laboratory, you know, with all these kind of shelves and tiny little sexy bottles. <laughs> and uh, the idea was to take one of these organs and to turn them into an art installation. So instead of perfume ingredients, you would have glass prisms that represent each ingredient. And each glass prism has a sound correlated to it. So each perfume ingredient has a sound that correlates to the ingredient. Then you have a centerpiece, which looks like this big flask, and a laser that comes from the centerpiece and hits the glass prism at the exact moment that the sound is plays, uh, is being played, and modulates also 
to the sound. So the laser's intensity would be correlated to the sound intensity. And the effect is very mesmerizing and very um, hypnotic, you could say. And apart from that, I mean, so the trick was, yes, it's nice and all to make a sound for 200. I think it was less than that in the end, about 150 or something perfume ingredients. But the trick is that they also have to work as compositions in the end. So from about 150 to 100, I don't remember exactly how many um, perfume ingredients, we created then five perfume compositions. It was Fougère, Eau de Cologne, Chypre, Oriental, and Floral each one with its own characteristic. And the whole effect is, um, I'm going to use a bit of an electronic music term, but it's all modular. So basically, one ingredient, the same way it is in perfumery, one ingredient has to work in various compositions. And that's really the tricky part. Apart from that, uh, it was really well received. I think it won a few design awards, which it totally deserved because the people, Jason Bruce Studio and the lead designer, Dagny Rivera, they were, you know, absolute pleasure and absolute amazing people to work with and i was just lucky to be a part of that team as the as the sound and music guy initially the task was to create approximately 200 sounds for 200 raw materials provided by iff mm -hmm. so what was the process of creating the sounds and making sure that the compositions as you said work well or was that a criterion that they work well Because like in music, you have atonality or friction and you have that in perfume as well. Totally. What was the process like? Well, I think, first of all, the process in the beginning is like building any language, you know, this time it's a language that communicates scent and sounds. I think at the beginning, you just have to create criterias and categorize things and think, okay, this family of ingredients um, what would that correlate in the music world? Or this family of sounds, what would that correlate in the perfume world? I mean, in the first um, few weeks of the project, I didn't even touch the piano or any instruments or nothing. It was just spreadsheets and, you know, and creating, um, just reading a lot, a lot, a lot about the ingredients and also smelling whatever I could put my hands on because it took a while for the ingredients to arrive uh, from Paris. But the moment they arrived, it was also like um, invaluable to smell this thing you've been reading so much about then when it comes to yeah atonality and things that are more um, dissonant or more uh, consonant atonal i guess is tricky is tricky to use that term because some of the sounds are literally just sounds they don't even have a tonality some of them are sound recordings that i've used or some sounds that i've recorded you can almost not tell what pitch they are in but then if you look at the term of dissonant and consonant the more dissonant thing you get a lot of times it would be more outstanding out of the composition. But there are exceptions to that, like things that are more melodic. For example, I consider them to stand out a bit more. So if I want, for example, to create something, I don't know, something floral that uh, is not necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily smell bad, but it just like jumps out of the composition, like, uh, I don't know, like something like Ilang Ilang, which is very sweet, or tuberose, or these white flowers. So you can create something uh, sometimes not necessarily more dissonant, but just more melodic to make it jump out, you know, in a way that is very um, yeah, distinctive. Dissonant things can also stand out quite, quite well. So when I asked you for a couple of samples, you suggested that we check out Vetiver and Frankincense because the scent is similar or has some similarity. 
So maybe we can listen to that and then you tell me sure, what yeah. we're hearing. The interesting thing that I found about them is that they're both very smoky types of wood. And there's something very um, distinctive about them. They're, um, so maybe let's start. Let's start with frankincense with Olibanum. So if you think of the longest kind of bass notes, they would be about, they would take a few days to wear off your clothes or your skin. And that was related to a minute and a half. So if you have something that is very long lasting, it would only be about a minute, a minute and a half tops, you know. In that. Let's, ch- let's try a... Vetiver. Let's try vetiver. Okay. darker it's a it's mm. the same yeah key though yeah right? true it's definitely darker because it's a bit more bassy also the the smell has a bit more um, not depth but a bit heavier you know so that would make the sound darker it's also more linear also the similarities between the two they're both the same uh, I think if I remember right they were played on the same instrument as well did you play it on the bass with uh, like oh is this a synthesizer sound because the one is very wooden I think this yeah this one specifically is a bowed electric guitar but then it was processed uh, yeah I think with vetiver I also had to pitch it down quite a lot to make it more um, bassy that's why I guess bass guitar would be would be something that pops to mind But no, it's all electric guitar, if I remember right. Should we listen to something else, or should we... Yeah, uh, yeah, with pleasure. We heard some bass notes, so I guess we could go for something a bit more toppy. We can do bergamot. Mm-hmm. 
that was a short version of bergamot <laughs> well bergamot is is one of the longer lasting citruses but it's still you know it's still a citrus so it's not gonna last uh, more than other middle and more bassy notes so in other words we have the pitch we have the quality of the tone the melody so when it comes to the volatility of the scent that is also reflected in the length of the sound yes absolutely 100 percent That was, in a way, the more straightforward and simpler thing to do, but also one of the most important things to do, uh, because it's just, not just, but a lot of it is just fading things out at the right time, volume-wise, and fading things in at the right time, because not all ingredients, you know, some bass notes, some musks start quite... Um, you know, They really, start subtle. Exactly. So in a way, that's quite simple to do, like fade things out and in, but... It takes a few days to figure that out exactly. So what I did, basically, I had all the ingredients and I would put, I would take a smelling strip and I would put it inside the ingredients and I would write the date on it. I had like a little table or I don't know, a surface in my studio where I would leave all the smelling strips one next to the other. And I would check a few hours, a few days later, which one still is there and which one opened up and which one closed down. So I would check the volatility in real time and then I would adapt the sound to it. Was there something that you had in mind initially that when you got your hands on the raw materials and then, of course, you are in a conversation with IFF and they give you a briefing, probably this is what we want. Was that some one of the aspects that you had in mind right away? Yeah, I mean, one of the more immediate things that relates sound to scent in my eyes is the whole top-middle bass note thing. We even call it the same in, in music. I mean, treble, you can call it top or high-end Uh, middle is middle and bass is bass you just spell it differently you know so i think that's one of the more immediate connections and because that has an effect on the volatility then i'd say that was one of the first things that you that you think about as well you know you smell lemon and it disappears so quickly and you think to yourself okay so naturally the sound needs to disappear very quickly i have to say that that was clear from the very beginning but the emphasis on that was very much the crew you know around and working with the perfumer like you know Anne Flippo who just comes to the studio uh, she came to London and she and we had a day in the studio and you know she has all the sense in her head already you know so when she listens to Black Pepper she just immediately goes no that needs to be shorter that is just like a big burst and that's gone so there was a lot of emphasis on that from Jason Bruce studio from the project leader and from IFF But working with the perfumers is what really allowed us in, in a very little time to um, perfect the sounds to a very high level. But I think that was, that was basically the perfecting of them. So the first step was just, as I said, me just sitting like a bit of a mad scientist about a month or a couple of weeks, I don't remember. After I started working on this, we came to the IFF for a second meeting and it was quite fun because the first time we were there, They gave us perfume ingredients to smell and we needed to guess what the ingredient was. So they gave us things like masks and like citruses and things like that. And we had to tell them, what do we imagine? You know, what do we think that is? And we didn't do very well, <laughs> like the, the design team, because we were all new to perfuming. But then the fun bit was that a couple of months or a couple of weeks, I don't remember, later, we came for a second meeting And by then we had the list of ingredients and it was a, a meeting that was focused on sound. And then we're like, okay, so now reversing the roles, 
now we're playing the game and you're you're have, going to have to guess which sound is which ingredient. We built a little studio, portable studio in the IFF offices and everybody had headphones and we just play a sound and we ask the perfumers, so what's this ingredient? And it was, it was really great because they guessed pretty much all of the ingredients uh, very quickly. That was an amazing... I mean, we, the list changed quite a lot of times and we changed the ingredients that were in the end chosen for the installation, but it was a great starting point. And from that moment, you just... You just have to perfect things and change a little bit. But at least we had the language sorted. And since you mentioned language, so you created a sound language to raw materials, which from what I understand is a coherent, consistent system, which is a huge intellectual effort and accomplishment. How many percent is brains and how many percent can be attributed to associations? I think that... In perfuming, there's a lot of chemistry involved and there's, you know, there's molecules and the old ingredients have this kind of really intellectual and, and scientific names. But it's also, you know, a bit like a playground, right? So it's like 50% very intellectual, but then 50% like this little little boy mixing, I don't know, coke with water and checking what's going to happen, you know, or something like that. So... I would say it's around 50-50. I mean, obviously, you can't really measure that sort of thing. But there was definitely a lot of work that was more cerebral and more like genuinely thinking, okay, this specific ingredient is a molecule that exists in that ingredient. So I'll take a part of the more complex, bigger ingredient and I'll extract that to create something else. Or each molecule will be a certain sound, and then when I combine those sounds, I have the more um, the more wholesome ingredient. You have that, for example, with the jasmine and the ingredients that exist inside jasmine. So you have things like a benzyl acetate, which is a part of jasmine. So you have that as a raw ingredient, and you also have jasmine as an ingredient. So that would be stuff that are more intellectual. But then... You know, I think that too much uh, too much intellectual ruins the fun of it and ruins the the kind of more passionate creative side of it. So yeah, there are moments. There were definitely moments that I was letting loose a little bit and going like, okay, so maybe this is not scientifically, analytically, perfectly it, but uh, but it feels right. You know, when you smell it and when you uh, when we hear it, it feels like one entity. It doesn't feel like there's a wall between the two. It feels like one thing. So you need to be, you know, you need to be compassionate towards yourself, right? You need to be, you can't be too hard on yourself, you know, and, and, and beat yourself up. You need to have a bit of fun as well, you know. So 50-50, probably. Can we listen to a composition and maybe the... Yeah, sure. The parts that contribute to that composition right yeah so um we had five compositions for this installation i mentioned and they're actually all online so i released them as a um, sort of ep uh, so you can hear them on spotify and everything so which one should we choose what do you fancy uh let's start with the floral one sure so the floral one is is a fairly complex floral composition Uh, but it's still very light and very feminine, so it's complex but not too heavy.
now would be like about a few hours after you wore the scent you know this is the heart of the perfume when you're already out out in the night and you can smell the perfume but it's not the first moment the first sniff this is kind of the decaying of the Now it's actually already the end of the day when you're kind of just smelling the, the last bits of the perfume on your sweater, I guess. That's like the end, the very, very dying out of... Uh, you know how you when, when you wear a sweater and like about two days later you can still smell the musky kind of notes on it if you didn't wash it? So that would be like the very end of the composition. That would be like three days later or something. So can, what is in there? What is in there? Let me see. Um... Quite a few fruity notes, actually. We had uh, Ali Leptanoat, which is um, a pineapple-y kind of one. We had... Uh, apologies, by the way, to any perfume experts for pronouncing wrong these lovely ingredients because I've read all of these names, but I haven't talked to people about all of them. Uh, Dimethyl sulfide, that's, uh, I think, if I remember right, that's a lychee kind of thing. You have Verdox, which is more apple-y, exyl acetate, oxan. So that's all fruity ones is there something uh, another sample that you would like to share with us that we should listen to in your opinion sure you can listen to something actually that was in the in this uh, composition the floral one something synthetic maybe we haven't done synthetic yet we were laughing about it before we both don't know how to pronounce this thing. oh yeah <laughs> aag aag right right yeah allylamyl glycolate or glycolate or which smells a little bit like Pineapple. Yeah, it's very pineapple-y and very green. Uh, like a lot of fruit ingredients, it's a synthetic ingredient. It's not made out of the actual fruit. It's It's been engineered to smell like it. There's something fairly complex about it. There's something synthetic about it. But there's something organic about how it's meant to smell. So you can hear there's some sounds in there that sound a bit more like real instruments, but also some that are obviously uh, synthesized. And, um, and this sound clip is incorporated in the other sound composition? Yeah. F the, the floral sound composition? Yeah, if I remember right, yeah, it was there as a part, uh, as one of the fruit ones. Um, but uh, it was, I think it was in quite low uh, concentration in that one. So obviously you make the same way that you mix a perfume, yeah. that's how you mix the sound composition. So some ingredients you put more of in volumes and some of them you put less. AAG specifically, I find it quite interesting because um, it's also quite short-lasting uh, compared to the others. So You can tell that the sound also disappeared fairly quickly. So that was the, the most extensive work of yours with you know combining sounds and sense or sense and sounds. 
You do other projects in that field, in that realm. After doing a project like that, you don't stop there, right? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think once once you create such an organ and 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 you know and this kind of communication between between scent and sound, you know, you um, well, first of all, you become a scent addict, <laughs> as we all know. These types of people exist. That's why we're having this conversation. <laughs> And secondly, um, I think I think a lot of people were really um, taken by by this work, and uh, it led to another installation fairly quickly after that. I was doing for a Cartier, which was their first Osni, uh, which is a pardon my French objet sentant no no identified okay, non, non identified scent, scent objects exactly yeah non identified scent objects. It was the first one of a series that they're doing now. Long story short, it was. A, a cloud of fragrance. This fragrance is called L'Anvol, which means the flight. It's a men's fragrance by Cartier. So it was a cloud of perfume inside a huge glass cube just outside the Palais de Tokyo. In Paris? And, yeah, in Paris, in and Museum of, uh, of Modern Art, just there outside. The project was led by Mathilde Laurent, which is the in-house uh, perfumer of Cartier and one of the more more amazing person that I've met in the industry, uh, more amazing people, in collaboration with a German climate engineer. German climate engineer is a company called Transolar. That was a really fun one to do as well. It's a very interesting way to work on fragrance because it was quite different to the organ in the way we thought about the music and we conceptualized the music. It was much more about the concept of the perfume and therefore the composition. In this case, l'envol means the flight, so you think about elevation and also the concept for the perfume was um, uh, ambrosia, which is the nectar of the gods. That was the, uh, Mathilde's inspiration for the perfume. So the focus was a lot more on that, on the concept of elevation and going up and you know feeling like you're in the clouds than about the individual ingredients. The bottom line was that we tried to create just constant elevation of sounds. So the sounds were just constantly, constantly going upwards, both in pitch and in frequency, uh, which is the, the obvious way to do it in music. But also the, the fun thing uh, was to create a sound mix and a, a speaker setup that allows that as well. So we created a three-dimensional you could say speaker system it was two levels of surround. The bottom line is that it can allow you to send sounds upwards. So usually we listen to stereo or surround and we have right or left or right, left, back, forward. This time you had right, left, forward, backwards, up and down. So if you have up and down, you can send things from down to up. And that's what we did just as much as we could constantly so you're kind of always feeling like your body's moving upwards or that was the aim at least although the ingredients were not the focal part of the work with Cartier but it obviously plays a role definitely is there a connection in the methodology on how you approached this did you use the same or similar sounds to what you had developed before yeah it's always a great starting point you know as, as an artist you never like really repeating yourself but When you have an organ of, we ended up with 150, but I think there are about 200 or maybe a bit more sounds that were created. And when you have about 200 of those, it'll be silly not to have a listen to what the new perfume you're writing music for would sound like with those, right? 
So usually what I would do is the first, almost as an experiment, the first thing I would do, and you can do that fairly quickly, you just open this huge project with 400 or I don't remember how many channels, and just choose the ingredients of this fragrance, and you check what it sounds like. And then once you know what it sounds like, in film music terms, we call it the tone of the film. I usually call it the sound world that you're in. You know, some films or some perfume compositions, for that matter, it can be more synthetic and maybe more organic. And this, this is two different worlds. So you, when, you, when you're working with the organ as a starting point, you know which world you're living in. And then what you choose to world can be more interpreted by the concept of the composition, as we did in, yeah, in Cartier. What can a scent bring to society, in your view? I think there's something about scent that... You can say the same about sound. It's less immediate than vision. It's an interesting one because it's very subjective, but at the same time, and that's what I try to prove with, with my... Especially with the organ, but with most scent project, there's also something quite uh, objective about it. But it's not going to call it objective, but there's something which is a collective subconscious to use Jungian terms, there's something that is very collectively between all of us related in scent. I mean, when you smell a flower, regardless of if you like floral smells or not, it resonates with something in you. And I think that's, that's something really interesting that it brings to society. It brings this kind of, this kind of juxtaposition between we all know what this is but it's so subjective at the same time, you know, so we can all smell a carrot and know that it's a carrot, but some of us would immediately go, Ugh, and some of us would immediately go, yum. And I think that's, that's such an interesting starting point for art, something that you can't really tell where, where to place it. That's why I like the term, again, it's not my term, it's Carl Jung, but yeah, that's why I like the term collective subconscious. Tell me a scent that you consider underrated. It can be a perfume, it can be a, a smell. What should people pay more attention Ooh, to? Ooh, that's a good question. It's a difficult one as well. Uh, I'll tell you why I find it difficult, because I don't consider myself an expert in the perfuming world. I mean, I know to do what I do. I know how to smell something and maybe know a little bit about how it's made and turn that into sound or take a concept and turn it into sound. But, you know... I saying about a scent that something is uh, overrated and underrated, I think I, um, I wouldn't claim to know enough about the history of perfumes and what was used when and how much it was used to tell that. But saying that, <laughs> there were a few ingredients that I got from the IFF that I really loved, and I mentioned their names to people, and people have no idea what it is. Uh, like Stemone is one. Again, this is very subjective. But personally, I absolutely love that smell. It, there's something, it's a new ingredient. I think that's maybe why it's quite underrated. It has this kind of darkness about it. It smells like white grass and fig at the same time, but it's not so sweet. It's quite peculiar. And I absolutely love it. I don't know why. It's quite an intense smell and very distinctive. I absolutely love it, you know. Thank you so much, Daniel. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Osmoscope today and for joining our conversation with Daniel Sonabend. 
You can learn more about Daniel's work and projects at danielsonarban.co.uk. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and spread the news or follow us on Instagram.